Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast, where the women of Marvel assemble to talk all things Marvel and more. This is one of those special reading circle episodes, and today we are talking about She-Hulk number one. I'm Adri Cowan. I am the social media manager. I'm Katie Kuber. I'm an editor in the X-Men group. Uh, I'm Janine Schaefer. I'm the senior manager of talent relations. And I'm Judy Stevens. I'm an associate producer. So today we're bringing to you She-Hulk, and of course, Janine is the editor on the book. Yes, this is my one book that I still edit, Um, so we're going to be talking about She-Hulk, that is written by Charles Soule and drawn by Javier Polito. So why don't you talk a little bit about how this book came to be? I mean, obviously She-Hulk has had her own titles before, but it's been a little while, so... So, uh, you know, when we were doing uh, All New Marvel Now, we were talking about kind of what kind of titles we wanted to do, and the... It came up like maybe it's time to do another She-Hulk book. Who should we get? Um, and you know, Charles at the time was sort of like doing as he still is a zillion books for both companies. Uh, but he is also, if you didn't know, a lawyer. So I reached out to him, uh, told him that we had the book, told him kind of what the tone was that I was kind of looking for, and he turned around a plot to me, like a pitch to me overnight, and it was awesome. Like he totally got it. He loves Jen Walters. Uh, who is She-Hulk, for those of you that don't know. And that, well, that's it. We were off and running. Uh, Javier was the perfect choice for this. Um, he had done a couple of issues of Hawkeye. Uh, he did... Uh, what else has he done? He did Human Target, I think, at Vertigo. Is that right? Um, and he just has this right mix of sort of street-level stuff and the fantastic, which is exactly who She-Hulk is, I think. Um you know, Jen Walters, she has kind of the best of both worlds. She's still a kick-ass lady, high-powered attorney, super smart, um, super funny, great self-deprecating sense of humor. But then on the other side, she's a, like, literal superhuman, um, an Avenger, uh, a superhero. And so we wanted to kind of show that, well, this is what she does on her off time, but also kind of how she deals with the duality of being a normal person by day and a superhero by night, the same way that she sort of deals with the duality of being, you know, just a regular lady and also a seven-foot-tall green And that's captured so well in this. And the art, wouldn't you say, is not typical comic book art? No, it's definitely not your... It's not the the typical superhero art. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a lot more, uh, you know illustrative, a lot more cartoony, um, and I think that's exactly what this book needs for the tone. I don't think the tone of the book is, uh, it's quirky without being, I think, without being silly. You know, I think she's dealing with some real stuff, um, but it, it, there is definitely a whimsical kind of fantastic feel it brings um, it. a real kind of indie quality to it. Yeah. I well, loved it. I wanted to frame every page. I, I love it, too. It's And every page that comes in from Javier is amazing. Like, he really has a way with storytelling. Like, he's a real storyteller, um, which is what we needed for this book. Um, one of the things that I'm really digging about what we've been doing for the past, you know, probably five or six years now, um, is being able to bring in some different artists and to do some different kinds of books. So it's not, you know, I, I always hear leveled with us, oh, well, the Marvel house style, blah, blah, blah. But I, I feel like those people who are saying that haven't haven't looked at our books in the last, 
you know, five, ten years. Yeah, it's not our span of books. Yeah, like in, in the last five or ten years, um, it doesn't really look like that anymore. I, we don't have a house style. that We have a, such a range of superhero art, more indie art. We have painterly stuff. There's photorealistic stuff. Um, like anything that you're looking for in art, we have a book there for you. Uh, and I, I was so excited to get to work on on this and have it be that kind of different sort of, you know, sort of tone. And the colors are amazing. I mean, obviously, she's a giant green woman. Like, yeah. Hattie, like that in itself is a weird thing, but it, it just moves, like, the way, like, the background colors and, like, there's, like, the scene where, like, with Tony Stark with the pink. Like, it yeah. just works so well. Well, Munsta, uh, Munsta Vicente, who is doing the art, is doing the color art on this, um, she is, like, a pop art phenom. I don't know. Like, I look at this, and she, there is, I never have notes for her. Like, she just turns in the pages, and I'm like, great, just print them. They're amazing. She really knows how to use, how to balance out these, like, really, really bright pops of color, these really oversaturated tones um, with, you know, some some more, like, desaturated stuff in the backgrounds and some softer tones on the faces when there's a emo more emotional moment. She's really amazing. Like, the, so Judy's leaping through the book now. Um, like this scene in the bar, everything is a lot more muted. Like the tones are a lot more muted because you're you're inside. You're in kind of this like dank, divey bar. Uh, and the the courtroom, as I'm looking through this, also like the the courtroom scene, everything is very like you know rigid and structured, and everything is like here's everything is browns and golds, and everything is very muted. But then you know you get to Tony's complex, and everything is like poppy pink and really oversaturated blue and greens and it just it's awesome i don't even think about that at all and, and then i'm looking at all this different art and thinking oh my god that must have taken forever to even just color it in yeah well and that's beautiful well that's what um a, a really good colorist i mean i think a lot of people don't colorists are sort of the unsung heroes of comics um you know they're usually getting stuff they're they're the last people that are getting stuff. Um, they're the last people that are able to do the work that they need to do. They're generally doing it in a shorter span of time. Well, and then the letters are, are poor letters um, who work their butts off. Um, so they're doing it in a shorter span of time than anyone else who's working on the project. Um, and they really, it's the first thing you see. When you leaf through a book, the first thing you see as you're going are the are the colors. And usually your eye kind of takes in scenes you know what I mean like so you'll kind of leaf through and oh a couple of pages look blue a couple of pages look purple a couple of pages look yellow and a, a really good colorist tells a story with those they key different tones and different hues to different scenes to make you feel something just on looking at the page like your eye just taking in the whole thing and then going to the first panel uh, and I think that's where you really can distinguish a colorist who's probably technically good and can color and it looks and it looks good from like a, a true artist who can tell a story. I think also one of the one of the cool things about about the colors in this book is a lot of people might categorize them as flat color. Yeah. But um, and something like flat color, it it can seem dated, especially in art that is so open. Mm -hmm. But this is anything but flat color. It's just very vibrant. And one of the things that uh, as an editor I look for is. Uh, how a lot of the color is rendered because a lot of people will over render something mm -hmm. or blur or go to Photoshop crazy 
this does it perfectly. It's 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 such a bright and happy book, and the tone of color immediately, like you were saying, when you open the book, all right, I get this is a fun book. I get this is going to be a good time. Yeah. This is not going to be a grim and gritty book. Yeah, yeah. And it's not, the art does not distract me from the story, and the color and how the color is rendered does not distract me from the story, which I was very thankful for because it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I, I mean, speaking as someone who just, for the first time, read it um, today, um, you know, I think that comes across really, really well. Cool. Yeah. You're right. It is a really fun book and especially fun for any woman that I've known. I, I don't want to even put this in a corner, but it captures normalcy in a character that is the opposite of normal <laughs> and should be should have a really weird life. But she's so relatable yeah. as a character yeah. and she's the She-Hulk and and Charles for some reason, can write a woman. Yeah, he just gets like, her. Like yeah. he really gets her, and he loves her. Like when we talk, when we first started talking about this, he was like, "Oh my god, I love Jen Walters. I'm so excited." <laughs> I have, here you go. I have all these ideas. Like I've been thinking about this for years already. Like I love this, and he really has captured. Like, you know, she has all of the problems that a working woman faces, except that they're like. Uh, you know, when you're at work and you're, like, frustrated at work because a guy is in your office, like, you know, being a jerk, except hers is, like, Dr. Doom. But she's yeah. acting <laughs> she's acting as though it's just, like, ugh, this guy in my office driving me crazy. Yeah. You know what she's I mean? She's dealing with work BS yeah. as a lawyer on an everyday basis and dealing with also being a woman in yeah. a law office, but also then being a superhero on the other, yeah. on the other side. Yeah. Um, but also, she's really feminine without, you know, in, without being, how, how do I say, you know, girly. It's yeah. not like you look at that and you're like, oh, why is this, why do they make her so girly? Sometimes characters can get a little too, yeah. like when well, men write them or when, when they're drawn. Yeah, yeah. And I think, too, you know, we really, Javier talked a lot about um, just wanting to see, like, different body types. Um, and I know that, you know, that was something that sort of we talked about with Charles also, like, okay, making sure we are presenting, like, a range of different women, mm -hmm. um, different body types and, you know, just different attitudes about stuff. Uh, you know, it, not in this issue, but for people who, who continue to read, um, Patsy Walker, Hellcat, is going to be a supporting character in the book. And, you know, Charles had gr took great care in trying to, make sure that their friendship was a true friendship. You know what I mean? And it was complicated. It wasn't just, we're friends, we talk about boys, and we go out dancing. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, Which, I mean, is also a part of female friendship, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. And I, I was really excited about that, too. I gotta tell you, one of my favorite parts was seeing her drink. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. so rare you see a female, uh, a, a female superhero drink. Yeah. And, I mean, she's... It's it's not about her being a woman so much as like this could have been any person. They had a really hard day at work. They it didn't go as well. They were hired for something they shouldn't have been, and they wanted to blow off steam. So they go to a bar and get a drink. It just so happens to be that she's a woman, and yeah. I thought that was extremely relatable yeah, and very a, real life. That's like a Wolverine mm -hmm. thing, right? Like, oh, uh, at the end of the day, all Wolverine wants to do is drink a good beer or mm -hmm. you know a good whiskey and. Like, that's how you kind of think. You're like, yeah, Wolverine drinks beers. Yeah. Um, and kids, she wears don't drink clothes. beers. Don't drink beers, kids. At the, at the bar. Yes. And and also, I want to say, when I say girly, I don't mean, like, 
Well, you know what I mean. Yes. It's, I'm not, I'm saying in sometimes that phrase can be used in a negative way. Yeah. Um, and in, in, to portray some sort of flaw. Yeah. Um, and she, like you were saying, she goes out and drinks. She really just has no leaps to give. Like right. she, she's at <laughs> right. the bar. Right. She's wearing a hoodie. She has realistic costume changes. Right. But on the flip side, Javier and I talked a lot about, like, what she would wear into court. The Like, her heels are, like, sky-high heels. I mean, like, this lady, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Like, she is a businesswoman. Like, yeah. she wears great suits. Like, they fit awesome. She wears huge heels. She doesn't care. Like, she's seven feet tall and is, like, seven foot four because I'm putting <laughs> on these, you know, these these heels. And I, I really like that, too, because it's the other side. Like... Women can be more than just one thing, and I think I think this book is very subtly about that. Like women can be more than just one thing. It speaks to power, yeah, a lot. Even in wearing those high heels, not to get like super philosophical about it, but she is a powerful woman, yeah, and she's wearing that skirt with the business suit and the high heels, and she is killing it in the courtroom. Yeah, like that's that's it. Yeah, she has that presence to her. It was it was a really good introduction to uh, not only to the character but to her world. Like this is a great number one issue. Um, without knowing anything uh, about who she is, where she's been, uh, you know, you don't have to read eons of, of Marvel universe or history to know who she is, what she's about, what her personality's like. You know, she's powerful from what she's wearing, how she's acting. It's a very good ground level issue to start. Um, reading about the character and reading about her new status quo. I thought it was a very good intro uh, issue. Oh, and I just wanted to do one quick shout out to Clayton Cowles, who is our letterer on this book. Um, because I'm looking at this scene right now, and it is the scene where she goes into this guy's office uh, at Tony Stark's headquarters. And it's crazy. Like, it is crazy, <laughs> the amount of dialogue that's here. And, I mean, it's done It's it's done for laughs. I mean, it's a visual joke, but someone had to letter all of this. So, Clayton, our, our tireless, fearless, amazing letterer, like, month in, month out, letters these incredibly wordy scripts that are that are like that on purpose you know what I mean like Charles writes every word is very very careful and every like uh uh assignation of the amount of words in each panel is very careful and Clayton really nails it like every single month thank you Clayton I'm sorry that I'm a pain Clayton's great everything (laughs) I work on him with he's awesome can we talk a little bit about lettering too because this is a great opportunity given how much there is how does that work so just just he draw lines. Oh no! Everything he the, it, he doesn't hand letter. He doesn't hand letter. No, everything is done. Um, everything's done digitally. I don't think yeah. anyone hand letters anymore, do they? Uh, I'm sure some there people are some do. People. Really? Uh, but for to find a whole book hand lettered is extremely rare and time consuming in a way that it doesn't have to be anymore. Yeah. Um, usually, it's done as an artistic affectation, or um, you know, there's a reason that it's hand lettered. So yeah. how do you get that font? Like, what? where did that font come from? Was it someone's handwriting? Um, I don't know. Well, this is a VC font. Um, um, virtual Calligraphy is a team of guys. Um, Chris Eliopoulos, Joe Caramagna, Joe Sabino, uh, Clayton Cowles, 
Oh God, I'm missing. Cor- Corey Pettit. Corey Pettit. I'm sorry, Corey. <laughs> I worked with you on so many books. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they they letter most of our books. Um, and so you know each kind of letter or lettering house has a set of fonts that they. Um, I, I think that they create or that they own um, in some way, shape, or form. And you guys then find a font yeah. that works well. I mean, I would assume that the letterer just chooses. The letterer, yeah. I mean, you know, you know you'd have a conversation with the, with the letterer. What, what kind of style are you going for? Um, and, you know, with guys that you work with a lot, you just kind of know that they'll get it. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you'll get it. And it's true, like with balloon shape, the whole thing, like the style of balloons, the style of tails, um, Everything is that's that's the letterer's job, and that's again, much like the coloring, is sort of that thing that your eye sees without seeing it. You know, so you don't you don't really know how much a letterer is doing. It's not just putting the the words down on the page or you know reproducing what the script was. It's also it's design. Um, yeah, they have to shape it perfectly to the yeah. Balloon. And you'll you'll no, notice like through various books, you'll see some balloons have. Uh, like, I very specifically remember Fear Itself, one of our event books that Chris Eliopoulos lettered. Um, I loved the balloon style on that book. I loved it. Like, if, you, if, if anyone listening to this has it, go take a look at it. And then compare it to, just pull any other comic. And you'll see the font is different. The balloon style is totally different. The tail style is different. And it's just one of those things that you don't really think about. You don't notice when you're reading it. But it, it adds to the... Experience. That's the way it should be. You should not think about it. You, if if you're thinking about it, if you're, or if it's distracting you, then it's not doing its yeah. job. It's just yeah. like the color. It's just like the art. I mean, it's it's all little subtle things that the entire creative team, from you know the writer, uh, artist, colorist, uh, editor, everybody. Um, it's all just little steps that that are taken so that when you're reading the book, you're feeling the way that you're supposed to feel when you're pulled into the story. If you're being distracted by a certain lettering style or, or uh, um, you know, something that's out of place or a weird tangent or something, then then it's not doing its job. It's not pulling you into the story as it should be. Yeah. So all of those little choices from, you know, where to put a balloon to the lettering style all really help you for the overall effect of the book and um, how how you're supposed to feel when you're reading it. I think, like, the, the end story of all this is that there are so many people that work on these books, and they do it sometimes weekly, um, and, I, and I think that if you're reading a book weekly or monthly and you don't notice anything, you read the book and you enjoy it, and your only nitpick is maybe, like, what what the main, like, what something's going on because you like to complain or whatever, but <laughs> it's that all of these people, each one of them are producing a book that's on an incredibly short deadline. Yeah. And you guys are the ones managing them all. Oh, my God. There was, sure. one, there was one time where, because I, I will not even front, I always check reviews on the books that I edit like that's just a true fact I do it I do it and sometimes you guys you hurt my feelings I'm not I'm not proud like so well I am proud and that's why you can hurt my feelings um but I remember very specifically there was one book that I had done where I read a review of it and the entire review it was like four paragraphs long was about how I had misspelled the word suddenly on the recap page right (laughs) And it was about how I should be fired because I clearly can't spell and what kind of editors are Marvel hiring and blah, 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 blah. Dude, obviously I know how to spell the word suddenly. It's called a typo because I'm a human. Like, that's just a thing that happens sometimes. I wish that it didn't. 
I wish that I could look at my 10 years of comics work and, and know that there were no typos, but I know that there are. And it, every single one of them hurts my soul a little bit. Mm. But clearly I know how to spell the word suddenly, everyone in the world. <laughs> well, you know, that's the thing. When you are reaching this many people, you're basically reaching the world. Like, you're, you're reaching millions of people. And I see this on social media all the time, and there's always always going to be someone who finds the negative side of something or finds something to nitpick. And that's just like, I mean, even sometimes Lorraine, she's like, she reads her YouTube comments. Lorraine is the host of The Watcher. Um, and she, I'm like, don't read the YouTube comments. <laughs> the There's YouTube always going to be something terrible. I won't, I'm not even. <laughs> but, but I'm not even going there. But that's the thing. I think it's like, you know... Don't listen to them. <laughs> like, I know. I shouldn't. Like, that guy won. That guy won. Because, like, five years later, I remember that he was mad that I misspelled the word suddenly oh. on the recap page. I'm sorry. That is true. I need to probably get over it. But Yeah. I, I mean, I would like to say, as, uh, as someone who is a photographer and knows plenty of photo editors who have a monthly magazine, granted their monthly magazine is, you know, uh, it's a little different than you, you guys, but you guys are producing 75 plus books a month. And every one of them has 20 pages of art in it that all have all these different little people that all live all over the world. <laughs> and some of them don't like to respond to emails <laughs> and don't answer their phones <laughs> and going to cons when you know that they shouldn't be. And yet you guys still get your books out. Yeah, and listen, sometimes we we screw it up like... That's a true fact. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I don't know what you're talking That's a about. True fact. <laughs> but that I will not accept that suddenly. That no. is, that's not on me, even though it is. And that's did you ever me. misspell suddenly ever again? I did. I, I probably have not. <laughs> Someone's going to email you and be like, excuse me, in comic blah, 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 published two months ago, you misspelled the word suddenly. If anyone finds it, please let me know. We'll fix it for the trade. We'll fix it for the trade. As is our mantra. We'll fix it for the trade. Yeah. My favorite mantra. Yeah. Uh, oh, and uh, another real quick, because just because we were talking about it before we came in, uh, a little Easter egg for, uh, for readers. So Charles described his office, like the view from his office um, in Brooklyn for She-Hulk's office. So that's the view. That's the view that... That awesome lawyer. Of the got. last page. Because I was like, no way is this view. Even like, it's probably a, a real view. But come on now, you know. No New Yorkers have no, sure. view like that. I'm pretty sure that's it. I'm pretty sure that's the view. I wouldn't, I, 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 I believe Charles. Yeah. So, Charles, if you're listening to this. You have a great view. I demand a photo. I wonder <laughs> how much She-Hulk makes every year as a lawyer. Or as a butt kicker. As a butt kicker. Because she has a sweet office. She bought kicks for free. I think that's like one of those unanswered questions in the Marvel U that we'll never answer is, yeah. how do they survive day to day? I think it should be like, do they go to the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> how come you never include that? <laughs> that should be on the stats, like you know, height, weight, net worth. Yeah. We're not wrapping up just yet. Sorry, everyone. There is a picture of a beautiful, beautiful baby <laughs> in the back. Tell us who she is. Uh, that is my daughter, uh, Margot Susan Francis Doyle. Whoa. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the next time 
all those will come out is when you're yelling at her. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. She's a I, I have not busted out all four names yet. She's only eight months old. So we've gotten we've gotten the, the three. We've gotten three names, but not the full yet. But she's adorable, and she really likes Venom. She does. She loves Venom. When, when presented with an array of Marvel toys that she could play with, immediately Venom every single time, Ooh. no matter what, we, what else we tried to give her. She wanted Venom. That could be foreshadowing. If this were a comic book, that would be yeah. foreshadowing. Her becoming a Cut super Yeah. <laughs> I but listen, I, I live with her. It. I believe it. I just don't like that the cut to would be like twenty years later and then how much older I will be. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like thinking about that. Oh you no. Know what? If this were in a comic book world, we could just have access to the super soldier serum. We'd yeah. all just be young all the good. time. Good, okay, that's fine. I am good with that. <laughs> so yes, pick up She Hulk number one. Um, with the beautiful baby in the background on the last page um, in the letters column. And um, get it digitally at the comic store, um, Marvel's comic store. So you guys can also um, pick up the trade, which will collect issues one through... Issues one through six. It's a big trade. Yeah. So the next reading circle we'll be doing is Axis, uh, which is the event that is happening in the comics right now. Um, Rick Remender is writing that, so uh, if you guys would like the shiny codes, we'll have 25 codes of Axis number one. Please email us at womanof at marvel.com, and we'll send them out to you if you guys are the first 25. Also, New York Comic Con is upcoming. We will be having our Woman of Marvel panel Sunday, October 12th at 1.15 p.m. Please stop by and say hi to us. All of the female editors will be on, plus myself and Adri. We're super excited. We have... Almost 14 people, I think. Yeah. It's a, big, it's a yeah. big panel. So come expecting for lots of shiny things. Maybe we'll have some announcements. You never know. Uh, plus, the next few podcasts will all be about New York Comic Con. So we have some great guests, including Lorraine Sink, host of The Watcher, and Marguerite Bennett, uh, the writer of Angela. Make sure you guys tune in for that. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you at New York Comic Con. If not, we will check you on the fly. This is Marvel, your universe.